listening to another episode of The Great Mundane, uh, the first of 2018, and quite possibly not the last. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, uh, this is a very special episode, as I did not pick the theme for this episode. Um, it's probably going to be the first episode like that. Um, I, guess, I guess interview episodes um, don't really count. I still choose who I'm interviewing. Um, this was a gift to my sister um you might have realized from my twin episode that i have a twin sister um you might not have because i don't know what order i'm gonna release these two in um but if if you didn't know um i came up with quite a few excellent christmas gifts this year uh but the cheapest of all was uh letting her pick a topic for this podcast uh and i have to say she did not disappoint um so without further ado i'll just uh, use my opening theme of the week to sort of set the stage and all right so that's the archies um oh man so much is different and the stock photo this YouTube video has of the Archies than what we're going to be talking about. Because uh, what she had me do is watch a specific episode of Riverdale, uh, Season 2, Episode 7, currently on Netflix, um, and just talk about it. Um, so I guess I'll just start off. Uh, I'm a big fan of Archie Andrews and the gang. Um, as a kid, we'd have all the Archie digests, you know, Betty and Veronica and Jughead and Archie. Um, Reggie always getting shafted. I don't think he ever had a good uh, resource to read from. And it's funny because I, I look at this um, this picture of the Archie and the gang and there's Jughead, Betty, Archie, Veronica, and Reggie's there. And you sort of forget about him when you watch Riverdale. Um, I, Reggie, I feel like, is a difficult character to write for because there's no real... Um, redeeming qualities to him uh and nobody really likes him so whenever you're reinventing something it's like why would i write for reggie who who's gonna care if i leave him out and that, that's exactly what riverdale did from what i can tell um replacing him with more recent characters like uh kevin keller's dad or the mayor um i don't i don't think when i read there was ever a mayor of the town um Maybe, maybe Mr. Lodge was going to have him over for dinner or something. My, my main complaint with Riverdale is that it's not exactly the same as the comics that uh, I grew up reading. Um, and you could do some good stuff with that. Like, they had weird stuff happen. Um, one time, Jughead made a slam dunk. Um, that was pretty crazy. And the sound effect was slamma jamma whamma that that would be a good episode of tv especially with cole sprouse as a jughead 90 percent sure it's cole sprouse might be dylan sprouse but i think i caught that in the credits all right well let, let me just set the stage here so riverdale is a cool edgy uh cw um drama i don't know what, what is there there's a better genre for that young adult um thriller maybe uh it's it's just like the old comics you got your whole gang of characters there except um 
there's also gangs and drugs and uh, murder and chauvinism. Um, a lot of people got shot in the recap for this episode. Netflix gives you the option to skip a recap, but uh, I chose not to because you know I, I've watched probably a few, two or three episodes of this show, and a lot has happened. A lot of murders um, just got brushed through pretty quickly. Um, anyway, let, let me just talk about this episode. Um, as as crazy as this, I do think the best part of the episode is the first minute of it. Um, they have sort of like the cheapest thing I've ever seen on television. It looks like a bad high school film project. Um, I think they went into. I feel like professionals use Adobe Premiere, so they probably went into like the Windows Movie Maker and searched spooky filter i got that to go over the screen um and then hired i don't know like the guy who delivered food for them off postmates just some dude he not a voice actor um to, to just read over uh some blank text on the screen saying things like uh this this troublesome history of murders were all the more tragic because of the young people it affected. They're not that young, really. Like, they're late seniors in high school, um, played by 25-year-olds. It, it, it just sort of felt weird. Also, like, a lot of the people who died, I don't think any of them were in high school, at least from what I saw. <laughs> but, you know, wh whatever. Um, it, it sort of sets the stage that this is going to be I guess Riverdale's version of that Treehouse of Horror. It's a spooky three-parter. Uh, everybody's got their own stories they go through. Um, so I guess we'll just start with Jughead's. Um, Jughead's story, to just summarize it, um, his dad's in prison, um, which is all the more hilarious if you can even picture Jughead's dad in the comics. Um, I guess... He didn't really have a character beforehand, but I would not have went... I personally didn't assume that he was in a gang, um, in prison, that type of stuff. But, you know, you can take whatever you want from the source material. Um, anyway, Jughead's whole thing is, for some reason, I think it was because his dad was getting like stabbed in the showers. He needed money to get him out of jail. And he only had $18, which was too bad, really. Um, so he decides to uh, become a drug runner just this once to uh, sort of grease the wheels and get his dad out of jail. Um, for some reason, Archie agrees to help with this. Uh, you know, I get that. Archie's dumb. Um, now, I, I wrote down little notes about this. The fun thing is my phone auto-corrected Jughead every time because uh, yeah, I, I had to type quick. Um, so I have a few jig heads and a few hues. Um, I guess that's uh, something. Um, so just a few notes that I found interesting. Um, Jughead has a tattoo with like a snake on there because that's part of his gang. Um, I don't know. It probably sounded cool in, like, when, in the screenplay, but it just looks ridiculous. Um he also refers to this French uh, investigator, Poirot, or something like that. And I don't know him, but apparently... Uh, Lindsay was watching uh, as well. Uh, apparently, uh, the 
name was mispronounced. So, nice job, Jughead, you fake intellectual douche. Anyway, um, so Archie and Jughead drive in with a comical crate of pancake mix, which at first I assumed was cocaine, but is probably even lamer jingle jangle. (laughs) Um, They drive in uh, to Greendale, which I would have assumed was the neighboring town, but it seems to be 400 miles away. And they drive in the pitch of night, but they got to get there for midnight. Um, <laughs> and they're, they hit a flat tire, and this is where it gets weird. Uh, some guy comes over, and he goes, Hey, uh, what you got back there? Looking at their comical crate of cocaine with a little tiny like chain around it. And Jughead's just like, pancake batter. Um, I don't know if he was trying to be funny uh, or, or fool him or just telling this guy that he has cocaine. But anyway, and the guy goes, I can take you where you need to go. But, you know, you got to give me a cut. You got to pay me. And Jughead goes, I've got $18. And then he just gets in the car and they drive off. Like, why? It's just ridiculous. This guy, I guess Jughead called his bluff. I don't know. Like, we do find out that he has ulterior motives, but did Jughead seriously think that $18 was going to convince him to smuggle cocaine? Anyway. Uh, they go to a bar. Uh, he talks about some murderer or whatever. Um, it's... <laughs> he tries to uh, steal the cocaine, but then Archie comes in <laughs> and his badass line says, do you guys take debit? Um which is really like a great interact ad but he saves the day because while Jughead only had $18 and couldn't even pay for a a meal Archie has his debit card with him and and really that's what gets them out of the most trouble uh they show up at the crime boss's lair and she she's in a wheelchair wearing a beret the guy behind her looks like a bad guy from a music video he's got a very stylish sunglasses and like a trench coat cape that he can like furrow back to show a gun uh that was probably my favorite part of the episode was his outfit um they play it completely straight this like literally comedic crime boss um anyway and then jughead finds out he's got played by i have to assume betty's sister who seems like a real piece of work um (laughs) And yeah, that's Jughead's story. <laughs> There's two more, so get ready for this. Uh, the next one is Josie. Uh, for those who are only familiar with the Archies as their favorite band, uh, Josie had a rival band to the Archies, uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Um, I don't know if the Pussycats are still together. It doesn't seem like they are in this episode. So a, a brief synopsis of this one, Josie... Uh, everybody in town is a bit on edge because of the fucking biblical murderer going around Um, not that she does anything different she still hangs out at school all alone but anyway um, she gets a few creepy messages Uh, she thinks that it's Chuck who is doing it and she says it was Chuck and then Chuck uh, I don't know gets a stern talking to um and then we find out that it was really Cheryl. Uh, that's her story at a glance. 
My a big issue with this one is that Riverdale or Riverdale High is presented like a haunted house. There's no light that comes into it in any of these scenes. Josie is always alone. Um, people pop out of shadows and doorways. Like there's three or four go- jump scares um, in like the change room, in the band room, in a hallway where she hears footsteps and turns around the corner and he is surprised that there's someone there as if the footsteps were coming from some other part of the building. Um, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense. There's no natural lighting in this building. Um, there Actually, there is like spooky blue lighting coming in. <laughs> and she knows that there's a murderer out and she stays until like 8 or 9 p.m. every night, like the only person in the school. She has a special deal with the janitor. And it seems like the only reason she does this is to play the keyboard when we have to assume, like, her mom's the mayor. Like, she could get a keyboard. Um, she, she also seems pretty successful. She's good, good friends with Cheryl, who I have to assume is a millionaire. I don't know. Like, if I was going to die at school, it wouldn't be because I needed to play the keyboard until 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. I don't know how late she stays there. It seems pretty late. Um, one thing I do like about this episode, uh, it brings back Chuck and doesn't, uh, assassinate his character like in the first episode. Um, I guess it's a good sign for like, uh, equality, uh, cause originally Chuck was very much a token black character in Archie comics. It was like, Chuck, he's a cool guy. He does what Archie and Reggie do. Um, and he's got a girlfriend, Nancy, who I don't think is in this show. I haven't seen her yet. Um, oh, and he's good at drawing, because that was really all he did. Um, nowadays, he's got big flaws, um, but they all, so, like, it's, it's nice that they were able to grow out his character and make him not just a generic dude, um, but at the same time, uh, they sort of took the Jughead's dad approach and just turned him into a huge jerk, uh, but in this one, he's all like, uh, hey, I'm starting to become a cartoonist. Uh, no, nobody finds that weird uh, and he even goes to church even pops is like oh I saw you at church good job um, by the way this this that's the basis of my big theory of the episode that the uh, murderer the biblical murderer I think is pop Tate and I can get into more detail on that at the end of the episode but I think it's a pretty good theory alright spoiler alert I did look up who the actual killer is and it sounded dumb and I don't want to spoil it uh, so I'm going to give you my theory of why it's Pop Tate but that's at the end of the episode um, let's see what comments did I have other than the haunted house about Josie's thing um, Josie goes to Pops with uh, Chuck and she says it's not a date and if you put your stopwatch on within a minute she's dancing with him like real close you know doing the twist and the tango um, it, I don't know. It, it seemed like it was a date to me, but to quote her mom, if that's what my daughter said, then that's what it is. Um, somebody put a fake heart in the box. Um, I couldn't really tell what it was, uh, but Josie knew immediately that it was a pig heart. Uh, so I sort of feel like she might have planted it, but whatever. Um, here, here's the big thing here. Uh, 
Well, I got I got two comments. First of all, Chuck gets just railroaded. Um, like Josie comes out of a hallway. Chuck's just hanging out in the lounge, you know, just like students do. Uh, and Josie's just like, "You've been, you put a pig heart there. Like you're creepy. You're doing all this stuff." And the fucking janitor like court martials him and takes him to the principal's office. I uh, I did not think that was a thing that janitors did. Um, <laughs> I would be a bit weirded out if that happened but you know whatever also that janitor was super sketch um oh yeah uh the other thing i wanted to say is all of this would have been really avoidable if she just went home earlier like they never really established why she didn't do that and i don't know anyway it all culminates in josie having a very vivid dream where she's just playing on the piano and then a guy comes up and slits her throat and she wakes up and she can't even speak because, oh, they did foreshadow this because when she's stressed, her polyps grow. Anyway, it's it's pretty dumb, but uh, whatever. It it sort of felt weird having such a like vivid dream in an episode that was introduced to us as like, I don't know, like a crackly radio broadcast. Like it felt like you're supposed to be looking at real events and then we're looking into people's dreams and it's like, oh. Man, I have a lot to say about this. Yep, this will be a long one. Uh, all right, last last one. All right, so the last one is Betty and Veronica, and they probably have the least interesting story. Um, one really great observation that uh, Lindsay made is um, Betty's hair. Like she, her roots are really showing this whole episode, uh, and like they do a great job with Archie's hair because I know his hair isn't really like that. Um, but really, like, the only thing that is <laughs> remotely similar to the Betty I'm looking at from the Archies is her haircut, and they didn't really even do that right. But anyway, uh, Betty and Veronica's storyline is how the, they both think something's up with the sheriff. Um, Betty thinks that he is a biblical murderer, um, and, oh, what's it? Her... Got a text, um, but Veronica thinks that he is actually just um, uh, having an affair with uh, his wife. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe there was some reasons for this, but I thought it was really a dick move by Betty to assume that the sheriff was a murderer and like a weird biblical hooded justice type of uh, murderer. Like, well, first of all, if he's really, like, taking the Bible and, like, sin and all that stuff, um, I don't know. He he doesn't seem to me like the type of person who's always taking the Bible uh, literally, considering he's very accepting of his gay son. Um, but, anyway, uh, the other thing is, he seems just like a cool dude. Like, uh, wow, seems like a really cool dude. He works out, you know, all the ladies love him. Him and Veronica seem to be an item or headed in that direction. <laughs> Unlike his loser kid, you know, have, doing a sleepover and he's playing board games and Veronica was not having it. She was like, boring, let's see if your dad's working out. Um, Veronica and uh, Kevin have a sleepover and Veronica just totally ditches him. Like, Kevin does nothing in this episode. Um, I'm sort of wondering what his plot line is because it does not seem related to his dad. But anyway, 
Betty's justification as world's greatest detective, Betty Cooper, is that somebody died in a jail cell. Therefore, it must be the sheriff. Um, that is some of the most simple logic. Um, like, it's a cool thought. doesn't really prove anything. And she, like, breaks into his house and gets Veronica to sneak around her house and then follows him. Honestly, seemed like she sort of needs to give an apology. Um, like, she had no reason to justify any of this, but anyway. Um, also, this is my favorite part, is that uh, late at night, he sneaks out. Uh, this is what Veronica finds out at the sleepover. And he comes back at 4 a.m. Now you might think, oh, he's having an affair, which he is. But Betty thinks he killed somebody and because there was a man who was hit by a train last night. So apparently the co- the sheriff in this town, you know, people people might think that he drives out late at night and just, I, I can't determine if she thought that he uh, killed somebody and then took him to the train to throw him in front or if he just hangs out by the trains and pushes people at the last minute. Um, I don't know. It was, it was weird. Also, um, oh, there was a great moment where they said they should call the cops because they were chasing, uh, Kevin Keller and it was like, or Chief Keller and it was like, he is the cop. He's just going to go to his phone number. Anyway, last thing I want to say about him is that he is such a nice guy to Betty. Like he gives her first rate interviews, walks her around the station and she's reporting for the high school paper. Like, most likely on the next page is going to be a story about, like, Mr. Weatherby doing a marathon. Um, or, like, an advice column from Moose. Like, it's not going to be in any way relevant. Nobody's going to be... I don't think even, like... I don't, I don't know who she thinks reads this. Maybe, like... I don't think Archie reads it. I don't think he's probably playing football. Maybe like she can force Veronica to read it. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just for her. And you know, that's good. It's good to have things that are just for you, really. Even if nobody reads and or watches them. Anyway, um, I guess my closing segment is, who do I think is the murderer? And I already said it. It's Pop Tate. Um, We know that the murderer is religious i guess because they kill sinners pop tate goes to church at the end of the episode uh the murderer calls pop tate's uh restaurant and pop picks up the phone um now maybe it was a fucking telemarketer we don't know who said anything all we're taking is pop's words because pop literally just goes he said that there will be a reckoning or something like he could be saying whatever he wants for all we know the other side of the phone was just like you've won a cruise um and also apparently the first murder happened at pops like i don't know he just completely fits the profile um pop tate is a super boring character and i don't think anybody's gonna miss him uh plus gives a good arc for jughead jughead's only got 18 dollars uh pop tate's put in jail who's gonna run the chocolate shop get jacket in there uh meanwhile you can like fucking get rid of that tattoo it's, it's a really bad tattoo anyway that's my theory um i know it's wrong because i looked it up i'm disappointed with the answer um 
but yeah anyway that was an episode about riverdale yeah thank you so much i don't know that's that's a horrible sign off i'm just gonna fade out to some more sugar <laughs>